Welcome to the HMO Property Podcast, where we connect, educate, and inspire the UK's HMO property community. So stop what you're doing, sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. What's up, HMO Nation, and welcome to another episode of the HMO Property Podcast with me, Rupert Wallace. In this episode, we interview successful HMO property investor, Mike Frisby. Mike's going to take us on his HMO property investment journey, including the ups, the downs, the highs, and the lows. Mike's been investing in HMOs for some 12 years now. He's completed over 50 projects currently houses 300 tenants in four different locations. So let's jump straight in. Mike, say hello. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Now, before we dive into the details of HMOs, tell us about yourself, Mike. Give us your background before you started your HMO journey. Um, Okay, so uh, before I was in property at all, I was uh, in the corporate world. So I did business studies at university. And then went into uh, marketing and strategy for large FMCG, um, what that's consumer goods uh, companies with some famous brands. So I was lucky enough to work on brands like Guinness. Uh, then I worked for Unilever and I worked on brands uh, like Dove, Lynx, um, and um, did a bit of work all around the world. So that was quite interesting. Um, and how, lo- how long were you doing that? Uh, in all, probably about 12 years in itself. Um, and but it was when I was in the corporate world, I started dipping my toe in the whole property market. I wanted to run my own business. Sort of the drive was business. I also like property and I thought you could make money out of property. So I just started dipping my toe in it while I was in the corporate world. And what, what age did you leave the corporate world? Um, oh, well, I've been in very old. It was in my 30s. So I think early 30s. I'm trying to remember now. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it was in my 30s. Um, you know, as these things go, there's always change within the corporate world. I mean, there's one constant in life and to me, and that is change. Um, so you've got to get used to change. Um, but it, that's what annoyed me is because you'd be doing certain things, you'd be heading down a track, and then all of a sudden the organisation, no fault of your own, would change. And also, I ended up in quite a global role, quite a strategic role. And there you're looking so far out that really just felt disconnected a bit because um, you do something or work on something for a while. And, and of course, it wouldn't come to fruition for years and even and they might change their mind. And, I, and as I said, I had an entrepreneurial drive. I wanted to stand on my own two feet. I wanted to be to make an impact and be rewarded for my effort or <laughs> if I failed, um, you know, be able to take responsibility for that. Absolutely. Nothing Nothing feeling like uh, being held back, eh? Yeah, I, th- I think it's more of being justly rewarded if you do well. Um, you know, always inside of me, there's been that entrepreneurial spirit. From a young age, I wanted to run my own business, um, partly for the monetary, but partly just because I, I wanted to do that. That was That was just the lifestyle I wanted. I wanted to be in control, I guess. Not that I'm a control freak at all, but... <laughs> Um, it sounds as though it could be, but it, it, it more is, 
just you know, and I, and I think there's a trend currently within the within the country of people having to take a slightly more responsibility. So maybe I was ahead of the curve. I don't know. Mike, thanks for your background. Tell us how you got into the world of HMO property investment. Yeah, so um, it was almost by accident that I bought my first HMO. And, and probably I wouldn't have known the term HMO at that stage. So my very first HMO was a student HMO. And um, I'd come across this landlord that was looking to sell up. And he had single lets and he had some student lets. So part of the portfolio that I bought... Um, I ended up doing a deal with him, had some student lets. So that really was my first introduction to HMOs. I think student lets are the easy end of HMOs in some respects because you have one contract. So it's not hugely different. Obviously, you have still have to have certain criteria in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the regulations and the fire alarm systems and those things. But you must remember this was 12 years ago. So licensing wasn't really that common. In fact, it wasn't around. Uh, I remember license, HMO licensing coming in. So for those of you who are like going, oh, my God, HMO licensing, licensing. when I first started, there wasn't such a thing. Uh-huh. So, uh, it just shows you how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us, what, what what year did you buy your first HMO then? Oh, it, it must have been um, probably 2007, something like that, I think. Mm. Great. Okay. And was, was anything holding you back? getting into HMOs at the time? Well, as I said, it was more of an accidental thing in terms of buying an HMO for students. Um, So there was nothing really holding me back. I mean, it was more, I I just went into it as part of my property journey. They paid good income. Um, So that was a really, you know, they were the jewels in the crown of the um, portfolio, really. Um, But but then after that, I didn't really do any more HMOs after that um, for a while because it, it was sort of I bought them by accident and um, the area I bought them was quite expensive. So it's quite hard to buy further ones. I looked at a few. I remember now I looked at a few because I thought these are good. These will work. But it was the price point that was probably holding me back because um, a little bit more expensive because you needed bigger properties than, say, the average property. Got it. Okay. Now just, just go into a bit more detail about your very first HMO deal. Um, what it was exactly. I know you said it was a student one. How many bedrooms? Did you do any work to it? Purchase price? Give us, give us a flavor. Oh, okay. So, uh, no, I did no. I, I came with tenants in. It was the easiest thing going. So it's, it's not very exciting really in some respects, but I bought three, I bought three of them pretty much at once. As I said, it was part of a portfolio deal. So I, for a while I was doing deals with portfolios. So, you know, you hear these days of talking about landlord letters and things. This was me dealing direct with a landlord that I came across uh, and buying a portfolio off him, just as you'd hear today. So, that, you know, this strategy is not, uh, not, not new. I think a lot of people go, oh, my God, all these registers, it's new. If you can find the landlords and you can deal with them, people wanting to exit, then that's, that's a really good, good strategy. So I came across this portfolio landlord and we, we, we negotiated a deal. I spent quite a lot of time negotiating the deal. The properties were in reasonable condition. He'd gone through and renovated them and they came with tenants in. So it's the easiest thing going. Um, Perfect. Into- Tell us some numbers. So in terms of numbers, um, I think I bought, I bought them for around 250. Uh, so I had three of them and I think they were all one was 260, one was 265, and another one was 265. I'm trying to remember the rents now because it's so long ago, but I had two of them had four people in and one had five people in. 
um, and they were students, so I didn't pay the bills. Um, so I think they were about 1800 or something like that. So they're not mega, mega cash flowing at that point in time, but I still hold them today. They've gone up in value a lot. You know, they've added 200,000 um, uh, across the value uh, yeah. and um, the rent's gone up, you know, and I've still got the original mortgages I purchased on. So my mortgages yeah. are next to nothing. So is this back in the good old days of 100% financing 12, yeah, 12 or so years ago? Financing. I mean, to be honest, yeah. this is another thing. I actually took out and, you know, people would have said I was nuts or um, the, against the HMOs because they had the cash flow. I could actually get 90% mortgages. So I got a 90% mortgage against these properties. You know, they're lowly geared at the moment as we look into the future because they were in a strong position in the south. They're actually in, in Guildford, um, you know, and the market's been strong. You know, the ten, there's, there's tenants just fall over, you know, even today because the location is absolutely amazing. Uh, I think the last time I let them out, um, some of the pro you know, some of the tenants didn't even bother to go and look at it because they were just so desperate and they looked like the photos and, Perfect. you know, so it was the easiest thing going and I've never had a problem. They would be my best purchases, to be honest, probably yeah. the best purchases going because it was easy, 90% mortgage. So I didn't have to put loads down despite the purchase price. Um, there was a bit of stamp to pay, but that, that was it really. Excellent. The first ones are the best. Sometimes, okay. Yeah, without realising sometimes, I think. Um, some people get so hung up on their first and you could almost say I wasn't hung up at all and just got on with it. And I, that would be my advice to people. Really just get on with it and learn through the process. Yeah, do you know what? Actually, some of uh, some of my first purchases have also uh, have also been the best. I, you know, the accidental HMO landlord um, is, uh, is, is a powerful thing. Mike, tell us how investing in HMOs has changed your life. Yeah, I mean, what, what that's really done is it's given me, you know, it's given me the income. Um, you know, OK, when I first started out, you know, I did quite a few single lets and some renovations and those kind of things. And they make money, but they've made better money over time. But they, they really, you know, I find single lets just don't make enough money and you would need loads and loads and loads of them. Whereas HMOs, you know, they can give you some good cash flow. Um, they can, uh, what I've also do very successfully is recycle my investment out fairly quickly. Um, so that allows me to continue to purchase. Whereas again, even on a single let, that might be difficult. So, um, you know, what it's done is really set me up, um, you know, to, to allow me to do what I want to do. So these days, you know, I make the choices on what I want to do. I'm an entrepreneur. I love it. So I'm still heavily involved in business and, and all of those aspects. But it's allowed me to focus on the areas that I prefer to focus on rather than the bits and bobs that I don't need to do, um, you know, and set up teams and employ people and do all of those things that actually gets me out of the business as well. So pretty life changing, you would say. Yeah. And it's been the H, you know, in terms of cash flow and in terms of the, you know, the way forward in terms of knowing what your income is every month. You know, it's the HMOs that have done that. It's not necessarily the single lets um, because they're 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 just a few hundred. You know, it's not it's not big. In, it's not impactful. You know, I, I live in the south. It's expensive here. It is expensive. If you can make HMOs worth in this work in the south, you're doing very well. Yeah. Mike, next up, what's your favorite part? of HMO property investing? What's the favorite part? I, I love I love the, the bit where we find a deal 
and um, then I'm working out what to do at the best layouts, how to construct a deal. So, I mean, we talked a bit about, I found that landlord, I negotiated a creative, fairly creative deal to buy a portfolio. That's one of my skills, doing some creative deals. Um, but it's that whole thing of just trying to work out how to make money on it. And I, and I think one of my skills is to find areas where other people don't necessarily see, whether it's a creative buying process, whether it's a certain layout, whether it's adding value in a certain way. Um, so it's those kind of things, especially these days. I do some lumpy, lumpy, you know, HMOs, some big, some HMOs. bigger stuff. Yeah. And, and those, you know, other people don't see the value that I see. Um, and that, that to me is where I can pick up deals where others don't, don't see deals. Got it. Perfect. Mike. So we've talked about your past, but before we move on to the present and your future plans in HMO property, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor. Are you looking for an effortless HMO mortgage experience? If that's a yes, there's only one place to go. www.thehmomortgagebroker.co.uk The UK's number one specialist HMO mortgage broker. They're so specialised that they don't do anything else. HMO mortgages, HMO remortgages and HMO bridging. That's it. They have access to every HMO lender out there and even some exclusive products not available to other brokers. With lightning fast service and A1 communication, they're easily the best HMO broker in town. So to experience HMO lending made easy, go to www.thehmomortgagebroker.co.uk today. Mike, fast forwarding to the present day, tell us about your portfolio, what it consists of, where it is, how many tenants, how many properties, go into a bit more detail. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I probably have different metrics to most people. So a lot of people say, you know, how many properties and things? I, I just don't count it on property basis, um, you know. And again, I'll even challenge people, say, what is a property? Um, you know, some of my HMOs, you know, they, they, they have, I'd call them merged lines. You know, are they HMOs? Are they individual flats? Are they, yes, I might need licenses for them for HMOs. But, you know, they're I call them micro units. You know, some of my HMOs are fully self-contained yeah. um, and some are, you know, almost, you know, self-contained. So I, I don't see that as, you know, is it how many mortgages is it? Is it so I know that's a bit confusing for people. And that's why when people say how many properties do you own? I, I, I just don't look at it like that. And I'm not that particularly. Tell interested. us tell us your metrics. So my my metrics is more about units, and that's where the 300 right. plus units come in. Um, you know, so I might buy a block with 14 units in. Um, some of them might be self-contained. Some of them might be sharing facilities. So I also these days have units where I have mixed. You know, for example, one of the projects I've just finished has got two flats on the ground floor, and the two upper floors are is an HMO, so it's six bed HMO, um, and one of the flats is two two beds. Um, so uh so so that that might be it um you know in terms of where are they and i i have i have hmos you know moving from the simple you know probably my smallest what i'd call smallest hmo do i have a three bed i think i probably have three people in, in my smallest hmo and you know is that an hmo yeah so that was what i was trying to work out is that an hmo or not hmo um i would define it as an hmo and obviously you know i operate predominantly in an area where there is article four so obviously yeah need a different planning um uh situation for that property so yeah. definitely in my view an hmo 
Uh, moving all the way up to 25 units. Um, so uh, that's that's what I've got as well. So um, a variety of HMOs, a sweet spot of HMO sizes that I quite like because they're quite simple. We can just do our cookie cutter model is the six, seven bed, um, six bed, six on suites. Probably one of my favorite because it's quite keep, profitable. Keep it simple. Yeah. And it's and it's fairly simple. You know, you're not overloading it with tenants that, you know, a lot of people get attracted by the bigger stuff. And obviously I do do a lot of bigger stuff, but there's a lot of, you know, you do have to have a lot of watch outs on the bigger stuff. Whereas the smaller stuff is simple. You can sell on simpler, all of these types of things. Um, I just like the challenge of the big ones, really. Yeah, the big ones are also mega cash flows. We all know that. Yeah, I didn't want to say that, but... Uh... <laughs> 20 beds and above is uh, is definitely worth aiming for. Yeah, so, I mean, this is the thing, and then they're long-term, and also you've got, you know, quite a concentration within one area, which is quite nice, and it's easier to manage, you know, the more you get, you know, I, I'm starting to look at, you know, blocks and those kind of things that is easier. Um, so I quite like those for simplistic reasons as well. So I, I kind of moved on a little bit to looking at what what criteria makes my life simple, uh, as well as obviously what makes money. You know, I don't, I don't want to do a highly complex, highly problematic manage, you know, property to manage because if you keep it for the long term, you know, that's a lot of years that you've got to manage that. Um, you know, I don't mind complex refurbs. That That's OK because that's a short period of time. And uh, and I'm used to them. And in some ways, they're quite exciting because you you, you know you're going to have some challenges along the way. And I, and you, know, you might call me mad, but that that's what the entrepreneur likes to almost do is to get over those challenges. Absolutely, uh, that's that's one of the satisfying parts of the job, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We found with the um, well, we found with the the six beds are great, um. But in terms of economy of economies of scale and economies of time, especially the ten beds and above are where you make your real wins because it takes about the same amount of time to manage a ten bed uh, or a six bed as it does to manage a twenty bed, or it's certainly not three and a half times or three and a third times as well, much management time. That that's exactly it, and that's why I'm now looking at larger units because of you know Mike's time input. I, I have to input into a project maybe a bit more on a bigger project because obviously the numbers are bigger so i want to double check that a bit more but um you know certainly on a management front or certainly on a you know as you say number of property front um you know one property versus you know uh, although in the bigger ones obviously you do have complexes in terms of boilers and water in water out types of uh problems that can be yes um, yes uh, a bit tricky so uh, and a lot of people living in the same space can be uh, tricky as well. But as you say, certainly not uh, multi. You don't you, you don't multiply up. Um, in fact, my three bed just because the type it is and where it is, it's not in the best of areas. It's quite old, um, and actually my tenant type for that because it's old and and uh, in not necessarily the best of areas is actually benefit tenants. So they're they're it's not that they're difficult. It's just obviously collecting benefits. Uh, working with the benefit system, it can be complex. Um, you know, they're moving from, bene from benefits to universal credits and just doing all of that stuff just is just, just timely. And you just go, well, it's not really, you know, for a three bed, that's not really worth it in, the, in this day and age for, for us. So, Mike, I talked about metrics. Uh, we talked about the metrics of your units, uh, about 300 odd. Um, tell us gross cash flow, if you don't mind. 
Well, we well our, our rent roll is over um, over a million a year. I mean, I don't like talking too much about figures because I think everyone's sort of so. Old. Um, so we, you know, we we have a seven seven figure seven figure income out of the portfolio. Um, you know, so we have a you know an eight figure portfolio with a seven figure income is what I like to say. People, I know it's vague, but I I just think that's um, you know lots of different people sort of look into things. So for me, that's just just how it is. It's not I I don't you know again you know some people you say oh it's a big ego thing if you start talking too much about numbers. So that's we not, understand. Not necessarily style, if you see what I mean. <laughs> Next up, talk about talk to us about your best HMO investment to date, for whatever reason, financial, social, um, enjoyment factor. Just tell us about your best HMO investment. Ooh, um, I guess uh, the, the, there's been a couple that spring to mind quite well, but one of, one of the things that I like that, you know, one of the ones I like is because I quite like the design of it, uh, quite like the feel of it. And it's quite and the numbers worked as well. So it's the combination of both, which is a nine bed that I have um, large property, um, bought it off um, and a deceased estate. So they owned a few. I bought two off them. Um, that one and another one, and this just worked well. It would have really, it's got really nice big rooms, so it just has a nice feel to it because it's a good style, it's good decoration, but also the rooms are really nice and big, so the tenants like it. Um, it's there's so it's nine uh, nine beds, nine bathrooms, so all but one is ensuite. So there's one with an off-suite, so but it's pretty much exclusive. You've got a nice space for utilities. It's got a lounge area. It's got a big kitchen area. It's got a diner. You know, you've got double doors going onto the garden. So it just has, I, for me, it has a nice feel. And actually, to this day, wander in there and, and the tenants keep it really well. You know, I, I occasionally take people in um, on, a, on a tour or something like that. And, and you know, people are like, have you just had the cleaners in? It's just, no, they, they, these tenants keep it this way. It is, I have to say, it's not always the case with HMOs. But, you know, and, and obviously we've had different tenants come and go, but they just keep that property. So it just has a nice, just just a nice feel to it. And the, and the numbers were, were really good as well. And I know you're going to probably ask me those in a moment. But, <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm just trying to rack my head as to exactly what they are. Yeah, why not? What did you buy it for? Yeah, so what, bought, what did it revalue? Yeah, essentially we bought it for three three thirty. Um, you know, and it's one of those properties that when you go out and buy, it was a big property and it was worth that for us. But because it was such a property, actually, the valuer downvalued it from from what we I think. Yeah, we bought it for three thirty, and we were hoping for, you know, uh, and I think we managed to chip a bit of a price off because of the fact that I think we'd agreed a bit more than that. I can't remember the exact figures because it is a little while ago. Um, and, and therefore, the, the mortgage, you know, the mortgage that we we're getting wasn't the full 75%. So I had to put a little bit more money than I anticipated in because I thought this is still going to be a good project. But it it ended up uh valuing up I think at 650 um at the end. So the post refurb post refurb at 650. So when we valued it at the end 650. So that that was a good, you know, that's a good gain. We did spend quite a bit of money on it, 120 to get it there. Um but you know, you can do the maths there, can't you? You know, 330 plus 120, obviously there's stamp and that kind of stuff, but um, a couple of hundred grand minus the change yeah in uplift that's a that's a great project yeah yeah exactly exactly perfect one great success that one Re- really good example next up 
Tell us about one significant mistake that you've made in your HMO business that you think by sharing, you might help others avoid. Ooh, one significant mistake. Um, obviously, I've not been perfect. Um, you know, there's two areas that I would say that has been, um, you know, what, one is refurbishments. You know, you can get the budgeting wrong. And, and I'll be honest, you know, I have once or twice got the budgeting wrong um and uh spent more than more than anticipated um because i've missed something out or you know i hadn't spotted something um so on some of the older properties um so for example i've got a quite an old property um and i and i you know i probably didn't so i bought it i ran it for a while and now all of a sudden i've for example i've got to redo the roof and it just wasn't in my numbers so I'm having to redo the roof out of my own pocket. And that's because, you know, you're not checking out, you know, we, we just I got probably a little bit too fixated with the creativity of the deal. And, and it was a great deal. And yeah, cash flows really well. Um, so I'll soon get that money back. But because of that, I was probably focusing more on that rather than, OK, let's be really strict with all the maintenance that needs, you know, the, the plan maintenance over time, because it wasn't a property that we were like going in completely renovating and, and putting back together um and um so maybe i was a bit over eager to do the deal as opposed to really look through as to what it might cost me over the next five years um so i think sometimes it's that maybe under budgeting for for the running costs over you know a five-year period i'm mm -hmm. fairly good at doing the actual refurb but it's that kind of like okay there's a second wave that comes in terms of costs um and i guess initially i probably underestimated that um uh and and the cycle my 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 view is the cycle is shorter in an hmo than it is in a single let so if i look through because you know i've been a landlord a while now so the advantage that i've got is that you know I, i've been through you know i would say there's, there's an investment cycle that you need to make on properties and after 12 years quite often you probably need to have done something to your properties especially hmos because they're harder wearing you know there's more traffic flow there's more kind of things that you need to put back together again um so yeah so that that side of it i would say that that's a that's a good one for the audience actually reef you know the second wave of costs that when you see a product a project and you finish a project you don't quite think about the additional wear and tear on hmos yeah absolutely yeah. And, and also these days because of the advantages i've got of being uh, having been involved in the game now for a while, you know, I'm, of course I build to make it look good, but I also build to make it last. So that learning has probably been built into some of my HMOs. So some people will, you know, come in and go, why have you done that? And it might not look as good as maybe the other alternative. And sometimes it might cost a little bit more, but what it is, is it's preventative as opposed to, you know, having to problem solve later on. So for example, um for the last few years we've been putting in um shower panels and things like that rather than tiles because i find it's the grout that starts to not look 100 percent after several years um and therefore you know that's what puts people off and those kind of things whereas um panels are just wiped down there's no grouting that kind of stuff so um just little things like that 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 can help you maintain that level because again you see all these pictures these days on facebook of all these lovely hmos and i, I look at them sometimes going that's not going to last that's not going to last that's not yeah. going to last um might look good and you might get outstanding rents first time round but again once they've been lived in 
you know, do the rents drop slightly? I would say that, you know, they might do when it's not completely fresh. Uh, and then also, you know, if, if these things aren't robust, you're having to replace them a lot quicker than you might have thought. Yeah, and that obviously sometimes can cause voids and the knock-on effect of that. You uh, you also forget to budget in when you uh, when you first do the analysis sometimes. So yeah, everyone's it's a bit often, compounding. Everyone's often optimistic. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. But the good thing about an HMO is the fact that you do actually have a little bit more cash floating around. Um, you know, I've, I've seen people come unstuck with the whole single let thing because they just have had no cash floating around. They thought they were going to make a couple of hundred you have a boiler go, you know, um, it, it, depending on how much of the system you've got to replace, you're making a couple of hundred month bang, that's, and then you've got a void, for one, one void in a year, you know, you're dead. money out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So at least through an HMO, it's got a bit of cash, you know, as long as you're not relying on it totally, all of that cash come out, you know, and again, and that would be another piece of advice is, you know, say if you need 3000 a month to leave your job, get four HMOs producing 4,000 a month. So you've got a bit of slush. Uh, so, you you know, because otherwise, you know, where, where does the give come? If if, if if all of a sudden it's not 3,000, you've got a few empty or you've got a big problem somewhere. So, you know, overstack before you jump out, you know, uh, have a look at what your true, true costs are. And I think that's what a lot of people don't do is look at the true, true costs. They go, oh, yeah, you know, we get this in. Uh, we have this mortgage. We think the gas yeah. trick is this. But they're not counting the cleaning, the fact that you've got to do the gutters, the fact that you've got to do the garden, the fact that you've got to, you know, you, you don't see that on many people's costs, the fact that you've you know, got some voids. So that for me would be one of the biggest pieces of ice drilled down, um, you know, and they do make a lot of money, HMOs, and it's definitely worth the effort, but just, just be realistic. And, uh, you know, once you've started running some for a while, have a look at what your P&Ls are and have a look at what deal analyzer says and see whether they're the same because you should be changing your deal analyzer to re reflect the true picture, not what you think um, it should be, um, the optimum rosy picture. I know sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, but I'm conservative on it. I'd challenge them that they're probably not. And how many people actually go back and have a look at what actually happens after a few years and what they were looking at because that helps you with your investments going forward to make better investments and getting higher productive um, HMOs moving forwards. It's just tweaking the system uh, the whole time, you know. So um, um, with that in mind, Mike, tell us about your HMO portfolio plans for the next 12 months. Yeah, I mean, we've had a, a, quite a hefty expansion process over the last last few years. Um, so we're we're just bedding down a little bit in terms of we're still expanding. So we'll do some bigger projects. Um, so I don't want the volume of projects, but we'll probably add similar numbers of, of rooms, um, uh, maybe slightly less than we have over the last couple of years. Um, just because we want to bed down, we want to, you know, sometimes it's good to take stock in business. And also for me, you know, I have quite a lot now and it's like, what's the drive and what's the thing? So we've got other things that are priority in our business around the HMO arena. Um, things like helping others out and, um, you know, those kind of things that I also really, really enjoy. So Perfect. Me, that leads me on to my, I'll stop you there. That leads me on to my next question, Mike, about is there anything outside building, building the HMO portfolio that you, you're up to in property that you think might be useful to share with HMO Nation? Yeah, I mean, I, I help people, you know, get going in HMOs, expand their portfolios, systemize their portfolios. 
Um, so I, I do run some mentoring groups and, and help people. Um, and, and that for me is something that I'm really, really enjoying at the moment and, and really, you know, enjoying the buzz uh, of doing it and seeing people succeed. So, you know, I've spent a bit of time working in, you know, what, what bits of the business is, I think you started off, do I really, really enjoy? And it's actually the fact that I put up so much, got so much knowledge. I've got so many years, done so many projects, sweated so many uh, <laughs> uh, hard graft and dealing with the, the, the bad dates that I just want to help other people. And I think some of the rant that I said earlier, which is like, oh, people don't understand this and that. I don't want people to fall over. I want people to ha go into this eyes wide open and be really helped through the process. And a lot of it is there, you know, debunking the myths. I spend a bit of time helping people understand commercial finance because that's really worked for me so well. And I find everyone's confused. And I, I just like looking to see the look on people's faces when they understand some of the magic of that kind of stuff. And they go, wow. So that light bulb moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's just... yeah. I've, got, I've got a phrase for this year, which is creating a wow. I want to create as many wows as I can with the tenants and with, with the people that I help. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Excellent. Love that. So any advice you'd give current HMO investors in the current climate? Yeah, I mean, you start to hear people saying, is it saturated? Is it saturated? I, I still don't think the market's saturated. Obviously, have a look at your area and it's down to the micro detail. So, you know, you've got to get in and, and really understand an area. Also, you know, I'm used to, I go back to the corporate world when I worked in personal care or stuff. I was selling shampoo. You know, there's not suddenly more hair in the in, in the country, is there? You know, it's like, um, there's only certain so much shampoo needs. It was a fully saturated market, but we used to compete against each other. So also think about it as that is that is, you know, can I compete against everybody else? Am I better than everyone else? Because if you're better than everybody else, you will uh, meet the demand of the tenant. You will still be full. So it doesn't really matter whether there's it's fully saturated or not. Yes, that's going to maybe uh, affect the rent slightly but again if you've got an amazing HMO there's time and time again I see it where people really premiumize the market or have a certain niche in the market and people are willing to pay for it I mean you know it's like you could argue like it's a what a watch you know some watches go for hundreds of thousands and you can also pick up a watch for a pound somewhere probably in a pound shop so um you know uh is the watch market saturated there's only a certain number of wrists you know Stop looking at it like that. Look at it as how every other commodity is out there, really. Um, yes, it's nice if it was a continually growing market, but just we're still in this big time and I still think there's huge demand and I think there will be growing demand. I agree with you. And how about any advice you'd like to give people who are looking to get into HMO property for the first time? Yeah, I think seek advice and learn. Um, you know, there's many places that you can do that, but don't be scared and take that move um and i think it's well worth it but going eyes wide um and um you know you don't have to rush in terms of build a massive portfolio initially do one see how it all goes learn from that and then if you feel you like want to do another do another i mean there's you know i think sometimes everyone is in a rush to do property because they want to escape the job or do that you know in the scheme of life if you if you, it's an extra year it takes you because you want to learn and you don't want to muck up, I, th I think that's that's fine. But don't procrastinate. That's not an excuse to procrastinate, which is what some people do, analysis by paralysis. There's never going to be a black and white situation. It just doesn't happen in life, does it? It's all shades of grey. 
you've got to use your own judgment and that's where the advice and experience comes in to help you and cut through that and short circuit your journey so um yeah do the research understand it all but 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 jump in two feet brilliant brilliant Finally, before we sign off, we'd like you to recommend one great HMO resource or book that you'd like to share. Then let HMO Nation know how they can connect with you and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. So I, I, th I think that, you know, there's some good online Facebook stuff and forums and, and knowledge around out, out there um, that I think will give you some value. I said, go and learn and see what other people are doing. So just connect to people on social media who, who are doing HMOs. So go out and have a look because they all post their projects and things and then connect with them and, and, and actually probably private message them and see what, what time they can and, and have a coffee with, with them if you can, especially if they're in your local area. Um, so do that and, and go on, you know, there's often, you know, we do tours, but there's loads of people around the country do tours that don't really cost that much. So that's always a really, really good experience in terms of contacting us. Um, you know, I'm on social media, so I'm on the face, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, frisbee.mike, I think it's my Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, you know, so all the social media, I also have a website, which is uh, www.mikefrisbee.co.uk. So Frisbee is F-R-I-S-B-Y. So um, so you can connect to me, connect to me there. But um, yeah, just get out there and, and network and connect with people. There's nothing wrong with uh, talking. Not Property is a people's business. Mike, thank you for sharing your journey. We salute you. Let's get an HMO high five and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed this and want more informational, educational and inspirational HMO property content, then please hit the subscribe button and give us a like. See you next time. This content was brought to you in association with hmohub.co.uk, the UK's number one HMO platform, connecting the HMO property community.